Welcome to Piedmont Arts. I'm Rachel Stewart. Conductor Karen Kamensik leads the Charlotte Symphony in concerts on Friday, April 22nd and Saturday, April 23rd. Kamensik is in demand as a guest conductor, leading concerts and opera for, uh, performances around the world, particularly in Europe. And from 2011 to 2016, she served as the music director and chief conductor at the Staatsoper in Hanover, Germany. And she had her Metropolitan Opera debut in the Olivier award-winning production of Philip Glass's Achnaten in 2019. She'll be back at the Met for that production, a reprise of that production in May and June. And she just won her first Grammy for the recording of Achnaten that she made uh, with the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra and Chorus. The Grammy was her best opera recording. So welcome to Piedmont Arts, Karen. And again, uh, congratulations on that Grammy. That must feel really good. <laughs> it does. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here as well. But let me just ask you really quickly, since Akhenaten has, has been in the news lately and it, you're, you're coming back to New York, what, in a month to do it again, mm -hmm. you conducted the premiere of that opera, right? About I that? did in 2016 at the English National Opera, yes. And, how, and you're a Philip Glass fan and specialist in a way. <laughs> how, did you, uh, how did you score that? Um, funny how those titles get attached to one. Um, I've known Philip since I was about 19 years old, 19 or 20, I can't remember. Um, and uh, through a series of serendipitous events, uh, met him and began working with him. And that's continued over these many, many years since then. And it, it was a music, even before I met him, that I was fascinated by. I was um, when I went to Indiana University, they had this amazing listening library and I had a contemporary music class and his was part of the, the class. Um, and so I just listened to his stuff and I'm a huge fan of um, any kind of global world music, music of different cultures. And he is definitely a composer who takes influence from different cultures, the Indian culture, the Brazilian culture. He's, he's very well traveled and that appealed to me was his kind of global sound palette that he has and yet he remains true to his unique compositional voice and, and for people who are not that familiar with philip glass he's considered i guess a minimalist composer which um why does he hate that title <laughs> i bet i mean can you explain why he hates it and what you think people why people ascribe it well, to him i mean i call mozart the first minimalist because if you look at the violin part they're playing the patterns that philip glass uses so um it's a language that he's created and made of his own i call him an additive composer because he uses additive techniques he takes one little motive and expands on it and layers on top of it other rhythms which because of their simplicity are very clear and easily understood and are layered over others others, which creates polyrhythms. And in Akhenaten, we add jugglers who, when they, they have certain visual patterns that they use, which then when you hear the slapping of the balls as they catch them in their hands, creates another polyrhythm on top of that. We find that incredibly cool. And many, many, many people are fans of Philip Glass's music without even knowing it, because um, he's written so many film scores that have been nominated for Grammys as well, for Kundun and The Hours, and you know he's, he's done some Rolex commercials, and so he's, he's done other commercials, um, he's done documentary films, so people have heard his music, and I find it to be very accessible. And for people who um, are a little bit adventure, adventurous, they love it. Yes, yes. It's, um, 
I enjoy it. It's pretty. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've converted some people who are very skeptical. And when I, when I take the time or they take the time to talk to me about him and about his compositional process and what his influences are and what the joy that I find in conducting the music, um, then I, I tend to convert people to it. They may say I've had enough after an hour, which is totally to be respected, but I, as a conductor, also have enough of some other composers after an hour. <laughs> well, it certainly always helps uh, when you understand, you know, how, uh, what the composer's doing and how they're, you know, creating what they're creating. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just not that obvious if you, you know, if you don't know a whole lot about music. But anyway, again, congratulations on, on that Grammy for Akhenaten. You. you were just talking about being able to get to know him learn things from him. I'm sure you've had a lot of teachers and mentors over the years. Do you actually mentor uh, people now yourself? I do, but on the sly. I'm not on the faculty of any kind of a university, but especially during COVID when we were all kind of stranded in our various posts around the globe, young conductors did reach out to me and we had many Zoom sessions talking about repertoire or whatever you can do on a video without an orchestra or piano or anything, which is actually a lot because conducting while it is learned by doing um, young and even older and old conductors need feedback from their colleagues as well. So to talk about repertoire, to talk about technique, to talk about instrumentation, to talk about various problems that each instrumental group has. It's, I mean, it's, it's limitless what you can talk about. So yes, I do mentor and, and that's how I got my leg in. I kept nagging conductors also from a young age until I could sit in on their rehearsals and pick their brains. And now lo and behold, it's happening to me. And the first time I, I actually experienced it, whoa, I'm not 25 anymore, was actually in, in uh, London at the ENO. The second time I did Akhenaten, I suddenly had like seven young conductors from the academy sitting behind me, I turned around and I went, I've graduated from something <laughs> because now they're watching me. And it sounds like persistence is really important uh, when you are trying to, you know, to get to where you've gotten. Well, as a conductor, you can't do it without people and you're not going to find the people if you just sit in your room <laughs> hiding. So you have to get out there and you do have to be persistent and you must be self-confident and um, you have to be brave. People are people. Conducting is a managerial position, and we all know what that involves. Right. It's not all about the music. Conducting is not all about the music. Well, talk a little bit about some of the stuff you have to do that's not about the music when you're the conductor. Well, as a chief conductor, of course, you have all the administrative, well, at least in Europe, you have a, a lot of administration to handle as well, and, and planning programs, and discipline amongst the ensemble and the orchestra, and um, in Europe, you don't have as many donor responsibilities as one might have in the United States. But of course, you get the list before rehearsal of who's who's not in today, which people are missing. Um, how do you juggle? Everybody's not happy where they're seated in the pit of an orchestra and you can't start rehearsal because there's not enough room for the cellos and you have to play Tetris in the pit to get them in. And that all is basically the conductor's duty. Then, uh, for example, when I do a Mozart opera or Beethoven symphonies, Haydn symphonies, Mozart symphonies, I send my parts in. So I have to mark those parts in advance and send them in. You're constantly making programs. You have your travel plans. You have the Tetris of your calendar. <laughs> do I say yes to this? Is there enough time? And then just managing people. I mean, these are all artists who have their own artistic visions and um, needs and insecurities like anyone else. And 
as a conductor, one must respect that. I mean, without those musicians or the vocalists sitting there, the, the conductor's job doesn't exist, actually. So that respect must be there. Um, and you're negotiating the problems that people have in their lives. And if they bring it into rehearsal, you have to negotiate that. You know, They have their losses, they have their fights, they have their wins like anyone else. And a wise person once told me, he said, the team is only as, as good as its weakest player. So as a guest conductor, which you do, you travel a lot and, and I do perform with people that you don't know well, hmm. is that harder or is it easier to come in uh, when you don't know all the personalities and maybe all the, the dynamics and establish well, a, you know, a, I'm managing this and, you know, the music profession is actually a hierarchy that we, that we are learned, that we learn and are trained for from an early age. Like if you've played in a youth orchestra, you know what the hierarchy of that situation is. And so the basic formula of how a musical rehearsal works never changes for me, the location changes and yes, the faces change, the personalities change, but from how I walk into a room and knowing that the first two minutes in front of the orchestra, that's the judgment phase. If a conductor survives the first two minutes, then chances are you're on a level playing field and then you can begin to do the work. How to learn this is by observing others doing it, by being mentored, by sitting in rehearsals of other people. So you either learn from the good things they do or avoid the mistakes that they make. Of course, if you're traveling to several countries, which I do, and you speak several languages, which I do, one has to be aware of the cultural differences of how different orchestras in different countries work. You don't work with an Italian orchestra the way you work with a French orchestra, the way you work with a German orchestra, the way you work with an American orchestra, because all of the rehearsal situations are different. Rehearsals are very tight in the United States and in the UK. And in Europe, you have a few more rehearsals for every single project because their whole cultural structure is different. Um, but again, the formula is you meet and greet your people, you look them in the eyes, and the first thing you do is you, you hone in, you zero in on the focus for the music. The music comes first and personalities come after. So you're, I don't think a lot of conductors do this. You are an opera conductor, and you also lead a lot of just orchestral concerts. What's the big difference in conducting those two arenas? Well, you know, I started early with opera. So I started playing for the opera and there's a whole school of training conductors in that way. It's the German system, the German European system. Luckily in that system, when you become chief conductor, and also if you have an agent who has, you know, his pokers in all the fires, you will, if you are an opera conductor, do a fair amount of symphonic work. It's just the way it happens. It is much harder to do it in the other direction just because if you haven't grown up in the theater, it's, it's not so easy to enter into the profession. There is a whole different set of skills that one needs and not just the conducting the music, but being able to work with singers, occasionally, hopefully be able to play your own rehearsals to expedite the process. They are different animals. Symphonic concerts are very intense. You're there for three or four days and you're in and out, you get it done at a very intense high speed very concentrated work generally with orchestras who are who are specialists in symphonic music so there's a, a level that they bring to it opera depending on where you are as well i'll talk about europe now generally from beginning to end of an opera production is six weeks so you're in rehearsals for a lot of time with the singers and then you get on stage with them for about a week and then you have from beginning to end of the orchestral process from from the first reading rehearsal to the premiere, you have 14 rehearsals generally. And 
in the United States, it's probably five. So it's just a different speed of working, a different set of obstacles. And symphonic, you know, I get asked, do you use different technique to conduct? Well, yeah, it's a different music. So of course you do. There is a certain amount of traffic copping that one needs to do in the theater. There are too many elements. There's sets moving, there's lights, there's costumes. People stumble over things and have to catch their next cue and you have to be there to catch them in case, you know, when you're you're singing and you're walking and you're spinning and you're adjusting your wig, how are you supposed <laughs> to know in which time zone you're in on this stage? So a good set of hands, including the prompter, including the chorus master, including the conductor, need to be there to help them. So yeah, um, it is... Uh, commendable if conductors have two independent hands. If you do, you can achieve a lot in the opera by just liberating that left hand. A, a lot of people like to parallel conduct. We see conductors going up, down, up, down, up, down, and it's something right. we have to fight against because it's uh, it's tough if you think in your real life how many things you do with independent hands and how much you walk parallel and you grab for things parallel at the same time but to like you know the old trick of like brushing your teeth and rubbing your tummy at the same time or something or tapping your head you know those kinds of things those are all conductor exercises to do that you do use it in the symphonic as well but it's it's less necessary because an opera orchestra will never ever ever leave the singers it doesn't matter what the conductor's doing if they hear that a singer is struggling or needs help in a certain phrase, they will always go with the singer. And that is um, unique to opera, opera orchestras. And they also, at least in the German orchestras, they definitely need to play symphonic music as well, because that's the moment where they can, they can just concentrate on themselves and their needs and aren't subordinate to the stage. So a lot of them are doing both. Well, yeah, like, well, you, you gave the example of me being in Hanover. Yeah, they have a huge concert season as well. You know, they, they give 10 to 12, 14 concerts a year as well. But it sounds like when you're um, when you're in the pit as the conductor, it's like extra multitasking that you're having. to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you were supposed to come to Charlotte last year to lead the Charlotte Symphony, but the concerts were canceled just mm-hmm. like everywhere because of mm-hmm. COVID. And I'm glad that you're able to come back this year. But I'm wondering with the pandemic has that how has that affected your career it seems like you've stayed pretty busy in spite of it I did um I mean I'm in the middle of my career so um I do have a bit of security in advance bookings and I have a good agent who is interested that his artists remain employed frankly mm-hmm. um so yeah I mean we all took huge hits I was you know grounded my wings were clipped for a good six months seven months. I did a bit in um, October, November of 2022 for streaming um, under very intense and sad circumstances, you know, nervous circumstances. Then I had another break. Everything just kept getting canceled until May of 2021. And since then, since May of 2021, my schedule's been back to normal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, with masks and with, I wouldn't even say reduced audiences. In May 2021, I got called to jump in for someone who was either ill or couldn't get out of wherever they were um, in Milan. And it was the first concert back with public. And we had had 500 people in there. Everyone was masked. I conducted with a mask as well, but we played two concerts for 500 people each. So Italy, of course, was very, very, very eager to get back. And since then, I mean, all of my, my performances have been very, very full. So people want to come back. We've seen that here in this region. Excellent. Excellent. 
Well, Karen Kaminsek, I thank you so much for taking this much time um, to talk with us on Piedmont Arts and best of luck with- uh, Thank you, I'm looking forward to this concert weekend very much. It's my first yeah. time in Charlotte. Oh, great. Well, we'll look forward to having you here. Thank you. I've been talking with conductor Karen Kaminsek who will be uh, leading concerts with the Charlotte Symphony on April 22nd and April 23rd. And for Piedmont Arts, I'm Rachel Stewart.